All right, grab your Bible and turn with me to Exodus chapter 25, Exodus chapter 25, um, verse 1. And what I wanted to do today as, as I was praying about the message today, I really felt like the Lord brought me back to a passage that he gave me when it was time to start the church. And that's, where, that's what gets us to Exodus 25, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'll share some stories and also some points, and we're just going to have fun today. So Exodus 25, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel. You could say it this way. Um, the Lord spoke to Pastor Marty, saying, Speak to the people of Pathway. That they Now look at this, that they bring me an offering. Notice it becomes his offering not my offering and not even your offering, not even our offering. He said, bring me an offering. And then look at this, from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. It becomes his offering. It is his to begin with. And this is the offering you shall take from them, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair. Now I just want a sidebar here. We really don't want you to bring goat's hair uh, next weekend. I, you know, I, I appreciate that. Um, I don't know the ramifications if we're even allowed to receive goat's hair and, or badger skins because we're going to get to that in a minute. So we're just in ram skins. So if you have those things, you know, decorate with them or whatever, but don't bring those. Um, but back then it worked. Goat's hair, ram skins, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil, and the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate. That was a uh, literally a breastplate. It was a, a piece of, of, what would you say, accessories for priests, for the priest. Uh, and it was what they used really to determine the will of the Lord, but it's called the ephod. And let them make, look, now this verse 8 is, is powerful to me. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I will show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. I, I want to talk to you just a minute about the place God wants. The place God wants. Um, let's pray together. God, we have gathered in your presence today and we ultimately just came to hear you to see you, to perceive your moving, God, to perceive your leading and guiding. So God, I just pray right now you would speak to us. God, as we open your word, open our hearts to hear from you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. The place that God wants. This passage uh, was the passage God um, used to speak to me about what we called back then starting churches. Now they're called planting. Now we plant churches. Back then we started them. <laughs> it's just really just semantics. Um, September the 22nd, I'll never forget the day, 2008. Now, before that, I would have to back up. When I was about 19 years old, uh, at the time my parents were pastoring a church, and I decided to, be a, uh, to go into either physical therapy or sports medicine. And so I was on kind of a pre-med track, um, and, and that was my plan, and I, it was a good plan, and I liked that plan. Um, and it seemed to have great retirement benefits and a lot of fun in, in between. But when I was about 19, after months of wrestling with God because I just couldn't get peace anymore, 
I, I just knew God had called me to pastor, which I said I would never do because I grew up. If you grow up in the home of a pastor, sometimes it's just really easy to say, I'll never be a pastor because there, you just see the good and the bad and the ugly of wonderful Christian church people. And uh, amen, right? And it's like, I want to go to heaven with them, but I don't want to hang out with them. Are you with me? Amen. And, uh, and so I wasn't going to be a pastor, but the Lord just wouldn't leave me alone. So uh, in 2000, I'm oh, sorry, this was back in, in was well, about the year 2000, about 1999, um, is when I really felt like, okay, um, or no, back up, sorry, 97, it's 97, 98, is when I really felt like God was like, you, you, you know, I want you to be a pastor. And I finally said, okay, Lord, I'll do whatever you want to do. And so I changed majors and went to Bible school, everybody. And I had a lot of fun at Bible school. I didn't always enjoy the professors. Some of them just weren't a lot, they weren't, I, some of them were wonderful. Some of them just weren't a lot of fun. And I like to have fun. And so um, there, I have a lot, I have the chronicles of Bible school of all the interesting things that I got into there, most of which were not illegal. And, um, and so uh, I went to Bible school. Um, and then I worked on two church staffs and, um, or three, well, I worked on two before I went to Bible school and then two after. And, um, and then I started a missions organization, did missions work in Central and South America training pastors and leaders, and then uh, started a Bible school in Comiagua, Honduras. It still exists today. It's run by some missionaries that we still support, um, but did that. And then I found myself in about a year and a half, two years of not being in ministry, which was so bizarre for me. Um, and, uh, and then in 2008, September the 22nd of 2008, is when God spoke to me about this church. And uh, I didn't know where exactly it was going to be. I didn't see the building. I didn't even see you. I just, I just knew God was speaking to me. And he spoke to me out of Exodus 25, verse 8. He said, and let them build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And that was the word that I had. And from then I thought, I don't know how to start a church or plan a church. I just, you know, I, I mean, I, I've never done that. I knew I was called to it. I remember when I went to Bible school, I always felt like I was going to pastor. I never felt like I would take over an existing church. Many pastors do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I just always felt like, no, I'm going to start a church. I don't know. And that was what I, you know, I remember even telling my parents, no, I'm going to start a church. And we were in a denomination, and I remember telling them, I don't think I'm going to start a church in our denomination, not because I don't like our denomination. I'm just not sure it's the best fit for what God wants to do. And um, and so I, I didn't know anything about it. And so I just, uh, when God spoke to us about starting the church, we started in prayer. That September, we called a prayer meeting. In fact, we'd meet in my parents' living room on Saturday nights, and we would pray about this church. And God, what kind of church do you want? And what do you want to do at this church? And what does this church look like? Like, because what, what, if you remember, verse nine says, according to all that I will show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the furniture. So what I realized is if we'd ask God, he would tell us what kind of church he wanted, what it's supposed to look like, you know, what we're supposed to do. And so, so we did. And then in that time, I, I, I became friends with, and he's preached here before, uh, Mark and Sandy Job. Some of you may remember Pastor Mark Job. If you don't know Mark and Sandy, you probably know their daughter, Carrie Job, who's the worship artist. Uh, she's married to Cody Carnes. And so that's their daughter, but that's Mark and Sandy. And I was friends with Mark. We were doing missions work together. And when I told him what God put on my heart, he's like, I want to connect you to Gateway Church in Southlake. So Mark actually introduced me to Pastor Robert and Debbie um, years and years ago in that sometime around there. 
And then he introduced me to a man whose name was Ed Funderburk. And Pastor Ed is still a great friend of ours. In fact, he does some coaching with Pastor Mark because he's kind of an executive pastor mind. But he also does coaching and consulting with many church leaders. And Ed is one of those people that knows everybody and their mama. Like I've never met anybody that knows everybody uh, like Pastor Ed. But when I talk with Pastor Ed... Um, he connected me. He said, I've got some friends in Birmingham, Alabama, and they've started this organization called The Ark, and they help people plant churches. I want, I want you to go there. So I ended up going there as a process and went through, and they decided, yes, we're going to support your church plant. And so we're actually an Ark church plant. And so that, that all happened post-2008. And September the 19th, sorry, September the 13th of 2009, we had our first service. Now, leading up to that, we built a team of people. Uh, we called them the launch team. We had 27 people, and that was counting the pregnant women twice. Um, I mean, you know, sometimes you got to count everybody. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there was a wasp that came to one service. We counted him. Amen. Um, but uh, <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> but we had 27 people, and we said, we're going to go invite everybody we can invite and that first day, September 13, 2009, we had 149 people that attended church, not here because this didn't exist, um, not like this, but in what was known as the Ramada, which is now Motel 6, somebody. And, and I got to just say, I'm so glad it was called the Ramada when we were there. I, I, not that I'm hating, or you know, I'm not throwing shade on Motel 6, but it just doesn't sound like your church is where, you know, I mean, theologically, maybe we'll leave the light on for you. I don't know. I, maybe it works. I don't know. But I just, I don't, you know, <laughs> Tom Bodet's our usher. I don't know. I don't know how that works out, but I'm so glad. But anyways, we, uh, we launched with 149 people. I preached my heart out. The next week, 70 people came back. Praise the Lord. Told me I had to work on my communication just a little bit. But God began to move. In fact, uh, over the next two years, we would grow to 200 people attending church in, in, in a makeshift meeting room in the Ramada uh, where we had little office spaces. We had kids tucked in every office space. That's how we did children's ministry. Um, and we were just so excited. That's probably the biggest miracle ever is we, we got 200 people to come to church at the Ramada. Um, but um, then one day we, we were looking for space. We didn't have any, really any money but we really wanted something a little more permanent. And a businessman who's in our church was officing at this building here behind us. And he called me, he said, hey, there's this little church on this end cap right here. And he said, they're, they're moving out. And, and he said, I wonder if we could lease that. I said, I don't know, I'll go talk to him. I hopped in my truck, I was officing in a different place. And I drove over here and was able to meet the pastor. And he had had some health difficulties and was retiring. And because of that, the church had, had kind of gotten smaller, and they just decided we're going to disband and go to another church. And so they were vacating this. Now, it didn't look anything like this. It, it was mauve and, and stuff. And so, uh, and a lot of these walls weren't here. I mean, you know, we, there was a lot of lipstick we need to put on this pig, everybody. And so... Um, and so, but loved talking with him. He got me in touch with the, the agent and, and the owner, and they were just so gracious, and we'd love to have you, and they've really been great to us, uh, you know, for so many years. When we went through COVID, we, many of you know, we moved offices to the other end of this uh, facility, way down the other end, and in doing that, they get, this just gave us an incredible lease rate. It saved us $36,000 a year in lease money 
to do that. So they've really been gracious to us, but they let us move in and said, we, you know, they trust us. They'd let us fix it up, do what we wanted to do. Well, here was the problem. We wanted to move in. It wasn't ready to have church. We had 200 people. We had no money. We had 20-something thousand dollars in our savings account as a church. And, uh, and that, you know, that's a good amount of money, but not when you need to renovate, you know, 12,000 square feet, you know? And, um, and so we were like, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. So the, the short story, we, we put together a budget of $20,000 where we could use all of our existing equipment but make it mobile because we had mobile equipment because we had to move around some. And so we could use a portable PA system and this, that, and the other, and we kids' rooms, and you know we had it all figured out. And I was praying one morning in my chair. It's usually where I pray. And the Lord spoke to me, and, and really, not, not in a mean way, but he said, hey, you didn't really ask me what I wanted to do. And I said, well, I'm trying to do what you want to do. You said build the church, you know, like I, we're, we're doing. He said, no, you, you made a budget, but you didn't ask me. You, you just said you just thought what you had in your hand was all you had to work with. And he said, that's just not the way the kingdom works. You don't have what's in your hand. You have what's in mine. And I said, yes, sir, what do you want to do? He said, I want you to pull the elders in. I want you to make a budget based on what you need to do not what you think you're able to do. And I said, okay, I mean, we're a two-year-old church. We, we've got $20,000, we've got 200 people. I, I don't know what we can do here. Um, and remember, 200 people is counting all the pregnant people twice. You understand what I'm saying? And, um, and, <laughs> and so when I sat down with the elders, we put together a budget. It's a little over $120,000 to get it operational, Put you know, paint, had to put in some flooring, those type of things. Um, and uh, and I said, this is what we're going to do. And the God just kind of gave me this plan. He said, ask the landlord if you can just open up the, the building and let people come here, and you just tell them what you're going to do. And I said, okay, all right, sounds good to me. So I told everybody, hey, we got plans drawn up. I want you to come by this new place. And uh, the landlord let us in, you know, and he, whatever y'all want to do is fine. And uh, so came in, and it looked like a hot mess, but I explained to him how wonderful it was going to be. I explained to him this was what it's going to look like right here. And I said, oh, it's going to be so nice. We're going to have these lights on the walls just to, for atmosphere for worship. And I remember talking to them about all this stuff we were going to do, and, and they were just looking around. And so I said, same thing I'm telling you. I said, here's the thing. God won't do our part. We can't do God's part. But if we'll do our part, he'll do his part. I'm just asking you to ask God what your part is. And our church did that, and literally, literally in one month, we raised 130 thousand dollars and we renovated this and moved in by Easter of 2012. In fact, Easter of 2012, I didn't have the foresight to run two services because we could fit in here. And so Easter of 2012, we had 400 people in this room. They were sitting on top of each other and standing around the walls. Nothing like when guests come in, because you know how we are sometimes. We come to church, but we're there a few minutes late, and we come in during worship. Nothing like them saying, well, you know, you just there, we need two people to sit in one seat. You know, can you all just love each other with brotherly love? I mean, we had people, chairs sit out there, doors open. I mean, God, God did something incredible. That's what I'm saying, that we never even anticipated. And then we began to grow. We did one service and then two services and three services, then four and five services, six potato, you know, seven potato more or something like that. I don't know. We did a lot of services and uh, we knew we needed land. We knew we needed land. And, we, and I'd always felt like we were supposed to be kind of on that north side because of the way Longview is growing. That's just always what I felt in my heart. That's, that's where we need to be, but I didn't know where. 
And so uh, when we were ready, you know, we felt like God's speaking to us. We need to go ahead and buy land. Uh, this was, I think, 2016. Um, and, um, and so I put together a committee of three businessmen, and I said, I want y'all to, to be the, the land committee. And I, and, and I gave them their job, and I said, I want you to find us a place for our church. And they had experience in commercial properties and land and all that kind of stuff. One of them was a commercial agent. And I said, I want y'all to find it. And so we, when the new George Ritchie cut through or whatever went in, we had a piece there we thought was the Lord. And then it kind of fell apart, which was fine, um, because what we ended up with was better, but we didn't know that at the time. And I was a little sad. I was like, oh, man, that was such a great piece of property. And then it just, you know, it just didn't work out. And then one of them said, hey, we found this place. It's 49 acres on North 259. There's 600 foot of, of frontage there. You know, the traffic counts over at that time over 30,000 cars a day drive by that. And we really feel like this is good. I said, great, what do they want? And at the time, they wanted just a little over a million dollars for this 49 acres. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money. So we, the elders prayed about it, and we said, no, we think this is it. We think this is what we're supposed to do. But I always need to know for sure. So I went to the Lord, and I said, God, if this is really you, help. I want to confirm it. You give me the number. We're going to pay for it. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, $700,000. Well, they want over, over a million. So I told the agent, he said, what are you thinking on this? What's our budget? And I said, we're going to buy it at 700000 I said, if it's the Lord, that's what we'll buy it at, 700000 He said, I don't think you'll ever get them down. I said, well, we won't know till we ask, will we? You know, come on, somebody. Sometimes you got to act and ask. You got to move forward while you're praying. You understand what I'm saying? And, uh, and so he negotiated. It stalled out at $750,000, and he called back, and he was excited. He said, we've got them down over a quarter million dollars. I mean, this is, you know, 25% down in reduction on this. And he said, it's 750. I know you wanted seven, but it, it, what, if, what if when God said 700, he meant se- anywhere in the 700s? That's what he said. He was very creative, everybody, very creative. I said, no, because I saw it when God talked to me and I saw the zeros and they were, it was even, 700,000. And he said, Pastor, it's a deal breaker. They won't do anymore. They've, they've shorn up and said, no, no, we won't go any lower. Last offer. And I said, then I want you to graciously thank them for their time and tell them we are praying that they find the right buyer, but we're unable to move forward at that price. And I said, I'm not trying to manipulate or strong arm. Just tell them, you know, essentially that. We can't, we can't do it. He said, it's, you're going to lose this deal over $50,000. I said, I'll lose it unless God wants us to have it. Because if God wants us to have it, I can't lose it. Because he holds things in his hands, I don't hold them in mine. He said, okay, Pastor. And so he called me back and said, well, I told them, and they said, thank you, and you know, sorry it didn't work out. And I said, well, I understand that. About four hours later, he called me back. He said, Pastor, they called me back, and they're at 700000 Will you please sign this thing? And I said, bring it by. I'll sign it. I know that's the Lord right there. And so we bought that land, 700000 Now, that was the fun part, but the next part was we had a 30-day option and a 15-day close, meaning we had 45 days to pay for our newly purchased $700,000 piece of property. And we did not have $700,000. Shocking, isn't it? We had, I think it was $430,000 
Uh, no, no, it wasn't even that much. It was two hundred something thousand dollars we had. I think it was two hundred thirty thousand. Yeah, we had two hundred thirty thousand dollars because we needed four hundred seventy thousand dollars to get to seven hundred thousand dollars. So we had again your option after option. You're either going to buy it or you're not. So we had thirty days to come up with $470,000, everybody. You know, nothing to it. Praise the Lord. Amen. The problem was I was already scheduled to be out of town two Sundays in a row, which doesn't happen a lot unless it's maybe in the summer or something like that and I'm on vacation. But I was out of the pulpit for the first two Sundays of that 30 days. And I and I couldn't even tell everybody and, you know, all that. And, and then... And so I never forget one of the guys that came in to speak during that time was Pastor Ed that I referenced earlier. And Pastor Ed, he said, well, he said, Marty, how are you going to, and I've known Ed for years. And he, he said, Marty, how, how are you going to raise $470,000 in 30 days? I said, I feel like the Lord's given me a plan. He said, well, what is it? Now, he, he's worked with many churches, very large churches like the one he was on staff at for years, you know, where their budget's over $100 million a year. I mean, very large churches. And he's seen all types of things. He said, what's your plan? I said, I'm just going to tell the people what we need to do. He said, he said, he said what? What, what, what do you mean? I said, I'm just going to sit up there and tell the people, here's the plan. This is what we need to do. He said, that's your plan. He's like, no visual aids, no, you know, all that. He started going through. And I'm like, no, no, no. Just, I just felt like God said I was supposed to tell him what, what we need to do. He said, let me know how that works out. I said, okay. Well, then... Gas prices plummeted. In that next two weeks before I could talk to the church, gas prices plummeted. It almost looked like we were on the verge of another recession. And our online giving at the church crashed. Now, what you need to know is most of our church gives online. About 60% or so of our church gives online. And so now we're, gas prices are low, which affects us around here. I can't get up there. Online giving's crashed. And I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, a little help would be nice. Come on, somebody. Like a little help would be nice, Jesus. Um, but nonetheless, we got up here. Pastor Mark did an interview. He asked me questions. I just answered. We called it to infinity beyond. Everybody listened in. Uh, at the end of 30 days, we needed $470,000 at the end of 30 days. We had raised 900, over $900,000 we paid for the land all cash and had a half a million dollars towards the building. And when I told Pastor Ed, he said, you really had a word from the Lord, didn't you? I said, yes, sir, I did. I knew it was going to be fine, right? Isn't that amazing what God does? It's just amazing. And then, you know, most of you were here, you know, several years ago when we started the new campus and, and watched how God provided for that. And we paused it during COVID and, and now we're <laughs> trying to get it going again, which mid-September, or mid-September, mid oh Lord, mid-February, they'll be on site again. Um, starting the construction, and I'm so excited uh, about all of that. But it all came really from the Word of God. When God speaks, He creates. Did you know that? When God speaks, God doesn't speak a language like us. We, we, you're hearing me speak a language, and if I said tree, there's no tree here. I'm using a word as a symbol to describe a reality. 
And then you understand that's the symbol of the reality. So when I say tree, you see a tree. I see a tree, but there is no tree. I'm just speaking a symbol. God doesn't speak in symbols. God speaks in the language of reality. That's why when the prophet says, and his word will go forth and accomplish, just like the the rain comes down and waters the earth, the word of the Lord will go forth and accomplish what he pleases because God doesn't speak in symbols. He speaks in reality. So when he speaks, he creates. When he talked to Mary about Jesus, she said, how can this be? How can, how can, can I be pregnant? And he said, with you, with man, things are impossible. But he said, nothing is impossible with God. When you break that down in the original Greek language, here's what here's would be an accurate explanation of that phrase. Every word from God contained within itself has the power to fulfill itself. What he's saying is, I speak reality. That's how it's going to happen. I'm not describing something that could happen. As I'm speaking, I'm creating, and it is going to happen the same way God created everything. So when God gave me this word, it's interesting because when God gave me this word in in 2008, he was creating what we're seeing now. And he was actually creating that new campus because he put it in motion with a word. He said, I want you to build me a place that I can dwell among my people. It's, there's a place that God wants. Two things, you can write these down. These would be the points for today. But um, when you look at that passage, he said, build me a place. So number one, a place for God. Do you know God wants a place for him? Now the heavens are, you know, oh, the heavens is what the psalmist said. The heavens are the Lord. So God lives in the heavens. The heavens are the Lord, are are his. But you know, God wants a place on earth. He wants a place for him. What was God's heart for the earth? God's heart for the earth was that the earth would look like heaven, right? In fact, this is how Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven heaven, right? So that's what God wants. Now, how does God do that? By the Spirit of God working through the people of God. But it starts with the Spirit of God. Remember when creation, if you go to Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens of the earth. And I think it's verse two or verse three talks about, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth. How, how did this all get created? How does God build his kingdom? The presence of God, the Spirit of God. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is not what you eat or drink, but it's righteous, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So you say the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. So how does God rule and reign? It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the presence of God is the kingdom of God, is the rule of God, is the reign of God, is the dominion of God. That's why the presence of God is so vital. And this is what God says, I want a place for my presence on earth. I want a place because I want my kingdom to come. I want my will to be done. I want earth to look like heaven, and I want a stronghold. I want a place on earth for my presence. And we see that in Genesis because the first place God made on the earth was the garden, and that was the place God came down and met with Adam and Eve. It was a place for God to come. It was a place for the presence of God. And then when Adam and Eve fell, God raises up Moses and he says, I want you to build me a tabernacle. What was a tabernacle? It was a place for God. Well, God has the heavens. Why does he? Because God wants a place here. Then when you see Solomon come to power, God then says, I want a temple. I want to take the garden, turn it into a tabernacle. The tabernacle is mobile. I want it permanent. So I want a temple. See, this kind of pathways tabernacle, isn't it? 
It's, per, it's, it's temporary. We, we tabernacled over at the Ramada, and now we're tabernacling here for a while. But God wants a, a permanent place. He wants a place for him. Why does he want a place? Because he wants a place to make himself known. Do you know that? See, theologically, we understand, most people understand the omnipresence of God. The omnipresence of God, simply the explanation or, or would be that God is everywhere. Personally, when, when I look at it, and you've heard me say this, I think the omnipresence of God just means that God is so big, everything happens in his presence. I like that better than like a little piece of God chasing everybody around. Does that make sense? It just, in my brain, that's how it works. Well, that's the omnipresence of God. So God is present everywhere, but God makes himself known. We call that the manifest presence of God. God makes himself known at his house, at his church. God, to Adam and Eve, he made himself known in the garden. To the children of Israel and Moses, he made himself known in the tabernacle because when Moses would be called to the tabernacle to meet with God, God the presence of God would rest in, a, in this cloud would rest over the tabernacle. And then as the priest ministered to the Lord, there was this holiest of holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the presence of God was. And that's where God dwelt among his people and the same in the temple. And, and so what we see all throughout scripture is, yes, this infinite God wants a place. He wants a place for his presence. And so when God said, I want you to build me a tabernacle, build a place for me, that was a word that I knew we were supposed to build a place because God wanted to make himself known. Now, who does he want to make himself known to? People, to us. So, so there's a place for God here, but then here's the second thing, a place for people. God desires to dwell with his people. God desires to dwell with his people. Th this is what I've seen over and over again throughout Scripture. You talk about God, again, talking with Adam and Eve, God meeting with Moses, God meeting you know, the, the priest in his presence. God wants to dwell with us. Um, you see it, really, the culmination of it in Revelation 21 when John's having this really open vision and John said, I looked and I saw a new Jerusalem coming down and I heard God or a voice saying, look, the dwelling place of God is with man. That God wants to make himself known, but God wants to make himself known to us. That's what happens in this place. Yes, is God everywhere? Yes. But you know what? We're the church and the church isn't a building the church is people, but you know what else? You know what the word church means? The church isn't actually the church until it gathers. In fact, the church, the word church is actually would be better translated as ecclesia in the Greek. It really shouldn't be church. Church was a German ter terminology. I, most translators don't know how that got put in the Bible. It's a German ter ter terminology church that we have associated with a little white building and a steeple. But church as it exists, ecclesia from the Greek actually means assembly, to assemble which assembling is different than gathering. And you understand that if you've ever uh, worked with Legos. <laughs> Dump them out, you've gathered the Legos. Put them together, now they're assembled, right? 
And so the church really is the church when we're assembled, when, when we're Ephesians 4, connected to one another, receiving from each other, giving to each other, made healthy and strong by what every joint, which is a connection, supplies. That's the church. And God says, I want the church to gather where? In my presence where I make myself known so they can hear me, so they can know me, so they can perceive and understand what's going on in my heart, so I can guide them, so I can lead them, so I can heal them, so I can restore them. I want a place to meet with people. That's what God wants. That's why we're here today. That's why you're here today. I was thinking about this because it's so powerful when the church is assembled, right? So powerful when the church is assembled. Like if you're online today, we're so glad you're there. We want to invite you to come, be assembled, right? Maybe you're out sick today or maybe you're just visiting day online. All that's wonderful. But when you can come, because the church, and when we're assembled, this is what Jesus said, when the church, upon this assembly, I will build my, right? Upon this rock, the rock is understanding who Christ is. I will build my church, my assembly, and when the church is assembled, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I was thinking about how powerful it is when the church is assembled. And I thought about the last 13 years, so I pulled some numbers. Now, we didn't have sometimes the best number keeping all throughout history, um, meaning that until 2011, we didn't track salvations. I don't know why, or we couldn't find it. We've changed servers and computers. Sometimes stuff happens. But since 2011, we've had 2,525 people make decisions for Christ at Pathway in this place. Since 2015, we've seen 461 people take the next step of water baptism in this place. And this one was really amazing to me. Um, over the last 13 years, we had a number on this one, exact number, it was fun. Over, over the last 13 years, we've given away 1.9, over 1.9, I won't go in the whole long number, over $1.9 million to missions and outreach, to evangelism, to helping people. It's the power of a place. And, and I thought about, and then I started thinking about some of the stories, and I thought about uh, we've had heart conditions healed like medical confirmed miracles, a terminal lung condition healed, med medically confirmed miracle, rotator cuffs healed, medically confirmed miracle, deaf ear open, medically confirmed. Um, we, we've seen all those wonderful things. And, and then I even thought about, I even thought about Kate and Levi. Many know Kate who serves on our staff, she and Blake and their story with COVID and being life care flighted to, to Dallas. And, and we prayed as a church and God did an incredible miracle and, and they're healthy. Kate was on the worship team today. She's playing keyboard today, but uh, she leads many times. And we still, doctors, medically, they don't even know how she leads worship because she still has a, a paralyzed vocal cord from the tracheotomy that they had to do. Yet God is God. And then I thought about, yeah, you can clap. And then I thought about, there's a, it's one of my favorite stories. There's, there's a young lady in our church. I won't say her name. I never want to embarrass anyone. But when she came, oh, oh, I think it was a year ago, over a year ago, she would tell you that she was an atheist. She didn't believe in God. She just came with a friend. Someone invited her. It's the power of inviting somebody to church, by the way. And she would tell you that she was an atheist, not, not 
you know, not like an angry atheist who didn't come to make fun of Christians. But, but what I love about our church, remember when we start our church, I used to talk about this all the time, but we start our church and I wanted a place, I wanted a place where people could come who weren't Christians, but they could come explore God. And I wanted a place where you could belong to us, even if you didn't necessarily believe like us. And, and I thank God that that's what we've seen. And this young lady came and, and she, well, you know, the people are nice. I like being here. And uh, she came a few times. And after coming a few times, she accepted Christ as her Savior, her Lord. And now she's involved. She's serving and she's inviting other people to come and, and be a part of the church. And to me, I'm like, that's that's a miracle. That's amazing. But you know what? All those things, all those numbers, you know what all those numbers have in common? All those stories, all those testimonies, you know what they have in common? None of them happen without a place. None of them happen without a place. Do, do we really need the church? Absolutely. We need, we need every church. Do we even need church buildings anymore? Can't we do it all, all online? We can't assemble online. Can't assemble. Thank God for online technology, but it's not the same as assembling in the place where God makes himself known. And none of those things happen without a place. And those are just some of the numbers. And here's the thing. Here's why I love the numbers. Not because they're just numbers. Because every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every story matters to God. And none of those stories would exist without this place. And that's why we need that place. We need a place for more people to come. We need room for more people. And I thought about this. I thought about the vision of those 200 people at the Ramada when I told them we need to move over here to 913 West Loop 281. I said, we need to move. And I need you to have vision not only for yourselves, but I need you to have vision for the people who aren't here yet. I used to talk to him about the people who aren't here yet. And I say, they're coming, but they're not here, but they can't come if we don't have a place for them to come. So we got to make room. It might be more comfortable. Trust me, it'd be really comfortable for me if we just did this one time every weekend, if I just had to preach one time. I'd only have to be excited one time. I'd only have to be loud one time. I wouldn't be hoarse by the end of the day. It'd be but you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about the people that, that I've seen and the stories that I've experienced and the test. And I think about these numbers and I think we got to make room for more people because there are more stories. And here's what I know. They can't come if there's no place. They can't hear God if there's no place. Their families can't be restored if there's, they can't be healed. They can't be saved. If there's not a place, there's a power to a place. There's a place God wants because he said, I want you to build this place. And if you'll build it, I'm going to meet with people. And that's why I'm saying pathway. That's why we're building the campus. Because we, we want to be obedient to what God called us to do. Build a place where I can dwell with people, where our lives can be changed, where our families can be changed, and where people, those 200 people, had vision for people that met God in this place. And all I'm saying is let's have vision for the people that's going to meet God in the next place. Amen. Can you give God praise today? <clears throat> Why don't you stand with me? you stand with me. And I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. We end all of our worship experiences with a time of prayer for anyone who needs prayer for anything, no matter what, it'd be our honor to pray with you. 
But let's just bow our heads as we close. Lord, today what was so important is that we hear you. What was so important is that we hear you so that this week, God, as we're praying over our commitment and asking you what we need to do, we're praying over the giving ladder, asking you where we need to be. God, you're going to lead and you're going to speak and you're going to guide. Lord, we need to hear you. But God, as we pause now, I just pray you'd speak to every heart, not not only about maybe what to do or give, obviously, but God, just speak to our hearts the word we need to hear from you. Lord, as we pause and ask you, what are you saying to us? Would you just ask him that, God, what are you saying to me today? And God, as we pause and say, what are you saying to us today? God, I pray we would hear you and we would respond. God, I pray you would use us. God, as we respond really to your commission to build a place that you could dwell among your people, bringing together the presence of God and the people of God. Lord, that's our heart. So Lord, speak to us, guide us this week, keep us, lead us. Lord, if there's anyone today that needs a relationship with you, I pray you would draw them for prayer. Draw them to the front. Anyone that needs prayer for anything, God, I pray they would come and let us pray with them. God, we thank you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can you give Jesus praise? Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. And I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.